What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Here we go. Oh, tonight we got them. Goldie, the Sulk, and JC. Welcome back to another episode of A Typical Disgusting Display, a podcast for writers by writers who hate writing. Oh, we are excited today. Oh, God, we got... One of our old friends is here from Family Guy, Kirker Butler. We cannot wait to talk to him. We can see his face right now on screen. I'm very excited <laughs> to talk to him soon. Uh, but first, let's talk about the the wonderful disaster that's happening out at Burning Man. Because this is just, I, I mean, I, I, I almost feel bad, but I don't. Like every headline I've read about it. 70,000 stranded, flooded in. Like, it just brings me so much joy. And and it feels a little wrong to feel that way. But I I mean, let's let's talk about how wonderful this is that they're all just stuck in the mud, literally. Well, have you been to Burning Man? No. I could see you having gone to like one of the early. I know. Like being being dragged by a, a, a woman. Oh, you're a drug addict? <laughs> you could have been first joke of the day. First joke of the day. You could have been, you know, just under the spell of someone who dragged you out there. But Goldie, I need comfort. I need constant comfort, and that provides none. Oh, yeah. Well, I've, I myself, I mean, I've never been to a music festival. No. Right. Because... Wait, is that last, what it is? Is that what it is? We were I talking about this before. Is it a music festival? Because I thought it was, but then it's like thought, I'm hearing like it's just a festival of spirituality. It's a gathering. It's like a gathering. I thought it was music as well. And I asked, uh, well, what they, well, they said Diplo was there. Isn't that right. a music person? No, I think he was just hanging out. But I don't, I oh. don't, I don't. So don't you know. go there and there's no music? <laughs> I think there's like. Art, is that part artists. of it? They go, everyone's going to think there's music. And then we're going to shift it on them, and there's no music. Okay, here's And you're the just qu- bicycling around and <laughs> eating peanuts and trading your stuff for other people's shitty stuff. It's like a flea kind market of. with no currency. Yeah, yeah it's, it says, I'm just going to read without clicking on the actual website. Yeah. It just says, Burning Man is a global ecosystem of artists, makers, 
and community oh. organizers who create art, dot, dot, dot. Even worse. I'll give you six Dogecoin if I can <laughs> shit in your Ziploc bag. <laughs> I'll bet that's what the type of trading down, that's dude. going Second on now. Joke of the day. <laughs> oh my God. It's, I don't know how it could sound worse than a music festival, but what you just read sounded oh, way it's a nightmare. worse. Community, never... community leaders. It's like all the people you never want to hear from. Well, they're going to find place. out. I mean, they're going to find out if they're leaders because oh, yeah. it's going to be anarchic. Are they still out there yes yeah they can't get out they can't realize get out. There, i guess there's one way out if you can walk like six miles in the mud and then right that's what i read people can Chris pick Rock you up diplo did oh i would have started walking instantly instantly before you got well there. i would have turned around when i learned there was no music <laughs> would have just, which is just now i tailed it out of there well, but I think it's the, just like the elaborate excuses people will go through to be able to show their dicks. Yeah. <laughs> and wear like gladiators. Uh, yeah. Sometimes. Like another reason go, I'm not there. You just kind of go, okay, if we, if we give it this whole conceit of returning to primality and, and, yeah. you know, breaking society's bounds, then you can just show your dick. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's a fancy way to just show your dick, it seems like. <laughs> and then how well, long before the documentary comes out? Oh, I can't yeah. wait. I already can't wait. It's going to be a fire festival. Like well, I, as I've I got, said before, up both of those. fire festival only seemed bad to people who don't have kids. <laughs> Everyone That's with hilarious. kids was like, wait, so they went there, there were no kids, and then there were sandwiches? That's fine. <laughs> that you didn't uh, have to I make. I go for that and fine there's no music like as we've just shown music isn't even a key component of these festivals at all i love that i love that the sandwiches detail has survived the test of time like i remember that's the only thing i remember too is like it's it was they were abandoned and somebody handed out sandwiches (laughs) after being promised like a wolfgang puck style i almost want to head out to burning man now now i'm interested (laughs) what happened anywhere people can't shit is to me that's a documentary, right? Yeah. Like right. that's basically the only element is you go and then yeah. there was nowhere to shit. So <laughs> yeah. suddenly this is a movie. Right. It's a breakdown of civilization right there. Uh, that yeah. would be a disaster. And but I'm kind of happy, you know, about this whole situation because I've always hated the idea of Burning Man, even clearly not really even, knowing what yeah, it was. I've hated it. it. Was, but. And now so these people are are struggling, which makes me happy. <laughs> and also, it seems like nobody, there's no sympathy for them. Like, right. everybody hates them now. Like, <laughs> the right wing clearly hates them. Of course. The, the, the left wing hates them. Like, they're, they're so, everybody is making fun of the fact that they're just literally stuck in the mud. <laughs> You know, staring at Diplo, who can't play music. Right. Although Diplo got out, so Diplo yeah. got out with Chris Rock. <laughs> right. There's no reason to ever go to the desert. I'm sorry, JC. I know no, you t- enjoy it and, and own a home there. But when whenever someone's like, "Oh, do you want to go to the desert?" and it's like everything in the desert dies. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I want to be where everything dies? Yes. Also, it's a, a detail that I've learned is that that the whole festival happens in an old lake bed and so now they're all surprised that it's like oh this lake bed is filling with water how could we have (laughs) ever predicted that 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 would happen wow it's just such a as you say goldie such a misfire the whole thing (laughs) is just a botched botched punt yeah first play of the game absolute (laughs) flub but i do understand kind of 
I, I do wonder if it's generational that people can be entertained by nothing and just motion because I, I you know, I had this thing happen last night where, yeah. so we tried to have a movie night at my yep. house. What movie? So, uh, Three Amigos. Oh, oh, great. All right. So growing up, like we didn't have movie night, like the, the idea that my parents would be like, let's all do something as a family and it'll be fun was like that. Right. I, that just didn't happen. There was like yeah. yard work and chores. You know, like, <laughs> get over here. We're chopping this cot of wood <laughs> together. That type of stuff. And as I've as I've outlined, like I only saw maybe five movies until I was thirteen years old. I never yeah. we never went. But so I'm thinking like this is a great thing for my family and, yeah. and my wife has made four nice bowls of popcorn because no one can eat the same thing in the house, right? Like <laughs> if so one right. person needs like soy sauce on the popcorn <laughs> i like parmesan cheese and then Ooh. someone wants soy sauce and parmesan cheese and it's like you're <laughs> off the map so <laughs> like we start the movie and it's it's like all you have to do is watch this movie right yeah. like that's that's all that's required of anyone <laughs> and my kids just can't watch a fucking movie like they can't wow. do it they're kind of like fighting and then asking for the nintendo and then it's like there's a problem with the popcorn where to the point where 30 minutes in, I hit pause, and I just have this enormous freak out. And I'm like, oh, no. can you just watch a movie? Can you point your head at the screen and have your eyes looking at the screen? And that's all we're doing. This is fun. Like, this is this would have been the best day of my childhood. And, I, and I'm yelling at them not for, like, you know, you got to pick up the house or you know, what's going on with watch you. And this, it's, it's just literally like... I'm yelling them to get them to do the fun thing. thing. And I'm yeah. wondering if, like, everyone now just, like, needs to be in the desert with constant chaos and lights and drugs and their dick out. <laughs> because just doing one fun thing is now torture? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you nailed it by saying 30 minutes in because, and Levy's this way, too, where they're so accustomed to you know, watching these short videos on YouTube and my uh, Levy loves this guy Preston and he has a channel where they prank each other in a house and they're hiding places and they have to <laughs> find each other for 20 bucks. You know, it's, it's all these little short challenges. And I think a movie length thing is just like even, you know, as Arthur of New York would say, it's on too long <laughs> and they just cannot keep watching it. Uh, but it I is, guess. it's amazing. It's a, you're right. The, 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 my childhood and I'm sure yours, Goldie, and maybe yours, JC, like if you got to sit down and watch a movie, it was exciting. Like, yes, I was yeah. in. Well, it was, I mean, we, it's, it's shifted from when I was a kid, it was like, if you were watching TV, it was like, that's going to rot your brain. Can you read a book or yes. go outside? And now it's like, <laughs> can you just watch a movie or anything with a narrative structure that's a half hour long with a story that you have to track and characters. Like, I'm not even trying to get them to go outside. I'm just trying to get them. It's like, how about a video game with a narrative? Yeah. <laughs> right. And it's not like they're watching, you know, Terms of Endearment. It's like you're watching a silly. No, which I hated. Uh, you didn't see it. You 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 watched until somebody was named Flap, and then you turned yeah. it off. I know. It's, it's, I know. It's a great I, and movie. I stand it, by that decision. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. How Goldie, many flaps you, you, do you know? <laughs> well, I know one from that movie. <laughs> there are people with weird names all over the place. Goldie, Terms of Flap. How do you like it? <laughs> 
Oh my god. Yeah, no. Well, it's It's like it, one of those dumb Twitter challenges. Ruin a movie by naming a character <laughs> Flap. <laughs> Frankly, Flap, I don't give a damn. Uh, I know. We when we were growing up, the TV is rotting your brain thing was a real thing. But people forget and because people we weren't alive, but books were considered like TV at one point. Uh, people forget yeah. that. You know, people yeah. are always like, yeah. "Oh, just read a book." It used well, we to be... were raised by people who heard the song Yakety Yak and really took it to heart. Right, right. It wasn't from <laughs> Finish Stand By cleaning Me. cleaning up that yeah. floor. <laughs> I loved Yakety Yak, Stand By Me Don't soundtrack. One of the great yeah. ones. One yeah. of the great ones. Um, anyway, right. I want to I go to Burning Man and blast Yakety Yak as a giant <laughs> lesson to everyone. <laughs> Let's do a, a set list. Just of... finished cleaning up your tent. <laughs> And we'll you do. won't have to pay the rent. <laughs> yes, I love it already. Um, we should do a set list of Yakety Yak into Yakety Sacks and then make that the new Burning Man next year in the mud. Sit face down, lie face down in the mud and listen to Yakety Yak and Yakety Sacks. Um, Just well, as a, we should drive up to where the road clears and so when the people finally come out we just start booing them <laughs> and blasting yakety <laughs> that's go right back. go back yes the, the, these are like our our version of the vietnam vets returning home we're gonna spit on them and boo, uh, boo them. you weren't missed <laughs> yeah boo, boo. Oh, and by the way seventy seventy thousand died in vietnam right. that's an apt comparison all right well if, he, if people start dying we take it all back yeah right. but you know what slightly CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Um, all right. Well, now it's time for us to yakety yak, and we're excited because Kirker Butler has the guts to join <laughs> us for Johnny jokes. Whoa, from Hollywood, where it's not money. Here's Johnny. All right, I will start us off with the Johnnies, and then that will take your fear away because you will see <laughs> that everything goes, as they say. Okay, well, uh, boy, here's a climate story. Record-breaking heat has actually caused corn in the United States to start sweating. Ugh. <laughs> uh, the development has Democrats calling for more policies to combat climate change, while Republicans are claiming that the corn is only sweating because it's a little husky. Well. A little husky on the corn. Kirk, I see you're going to be fine. Uh, here's a, another, a new study. A new study reveals that pot smokers have higher levels of heavy metal in their blood. Doctors are searching for solutions, but admit 
Right now, there's nothing they can do to do to do 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 <laughs> All right. Now we're going to close awesome. with a little run of uh, a little run of gut. say wasps in the punchline. <laughs> wasps. It's a hard one. <laughs> wasps. Did I not say it right? The, you you kind of stumbled on wasps. You know, I have too much heavy metal in my blood, apparently. <laughs> well, All right. Let's end with a little run of that rat weasel Gutfeld. All right. Gutfeld. Right. Oh, the funniest man to idiots, Gutfeld. Here we go. Well, we talked about it up top, but... Severe flooding has trapped 70,000 fans at Burning Man. Uh, government officials are cautioning attendees to conserve food, water, and pronouns. Oh. <laughs> vocal Glenn, vocal Glenn. And we tag onto it with no water. It's re- being reported that she, hers, are starting to smell like she, it. <laughs> Here's a terrible closer for it. A, a confused President Biden vowed to help the dirty mob and immediately sent Hubastank to the Ukraine. <laughs> All right. Kirker Butler, see how bad it is? Take that it away. That's great. So I, I ended up just doing norms. Oh, great. love it. Good. Uh, I tried Johnny. I tried to do a Karnak thing. None of it worked. So this, <laughs> this is not going to work either. And I'm very good at impressions. So this is gonna be- <laughs> it's your strong suit. So uh, recently, it was reported that uh, actor and underwear model Mark Wahlberg was working in a Florida taco stand to help raise money for the victims of the Maui wildfires. That's right. It was so successful that later that night to celebrate, Wahlberg went to a sushi restaurant and savagely beat an Asian man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He knows his history. He did that, you know, when he was younger. He savagely beat an Asian man, but uh, he doesn't do that anymore. All right. He, he stopped doing that. He's a good guy now. He goes to church, you know, Catholic church. He's a big Catholic guy. In fact, it's estimated that over the years, he's donated more than $10 million to the Catholic church. $10 million. Uh, and you can read all about it in his new book, Marky Mark and the Molester Bunch. <laughs> that's, a, that's a real book. <laughs> Speaking of the Catholic church, the uh, archdiocese up there in uh, San Francisco had to declare bankruptcy last month as a result of all the sexual assault lawsuits. Yeah, that's right. And uh, when reached for comment, the archbishop in San Francisco said, uh, hey, did you hear Mark Wahlberg savagely beat an Asian man? (laughs) (laughs) Very Norm. (laughs) Well done. Awesome. All right. That was great. Sweet. You did it. There we go. We love Norms. Want more, everyone? (laughs) Yes. Well, it's official. It's September. And the ongoing writer and actor strikes have totally upended the TV network's fall schedule. However, still keeping his fall schedule, President Biden. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Jimmy Buffett passed away early Sunday. He gone! Although critics say he didn't so much die as much as he appropriated death from dead people. (laughs) (laughs) 
for some reason, hearing Kirker's Norm really threw me off into like, <laughs> I, now I'm not doing the Johnny right. <laughs> oh, no, right. no. Hey, you got it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Florida. <laughs> Florida is dealing with the aftermath of Hurricane Adalia. Uh, relief efforts are underway. And uh, this morning, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis promised to deploy the National Guard to shoot any Mexicans. <laughs> and uh, all right, I'll, I'll end up, I got a couple norms to do. Yeah. All right. Well, this week, California experienced a once-in-a-generation blue moon. It was Diane Feinstein's ninth. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, uh, after extreme flash flooding, over 70,000 people remain trapped at Burning Man. But don't worry, this morning, government planes dropped 20 tons of mescaline and cum rags. <laughs> <laughs> on a cum rag it can't be wrong can't be wrong uh kirker those were awesome thank yes. you and let me let me now give you the the proper intro okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available h-track all-wheel drive and three-row seating my whole family can head deep into the wild Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So you, you heard him in Johnny's because he's got guts and he's a real writer. Yeah, um, but Kirker Butler is here with us today. And this man came to Family Guy at the same time as me in uh, 2004. He is a hilarious joke writer, and we'll get into that in the interview. He's somebody who comes up with the funniest line when the funniest line is required, which is always garners the respect of other comedy writers. He's uh, behind Mitch McConnell, probably Kentucky's most famous uh, citizen, <laughs> and he's certainly uh, Kentucky's fa most famous living citizen under that, those parameters. <laughs> wow. um, he's an author. He wrote a book called Pretty Ugly, he, uh, in addition to Family Guy, he worked on the Cleveland show, Only Murders in the Building. Ladies and gentlemen, friends, please welcome Mr. Kirker Butler to the podcast. Kirker, thanks for being Hello. with us. Welcome. Hello. Well, thanks for having me. You are in your library. Yeah. I'm in my, I'm in my office. Looks like a comedy yeah. bunker. Yeah. Well, the, the showrunner for Only Murders called it the dumbass Smithsonian. Because <laughs> there's just so much garbage. Ever. Like, I can just reach off camera and pull out some of the most obscure, weird shit. Oh, so, cool. uh, like love this. that. I love that. But, you know, it, while we're on the topic of libraries here, right up top, Kirker, yes. 
you have some fantastic breaking news for this <laughs> podcast. So I want I want you to just lay if you can take us through this story I want you to tell cuz I think okay. JC also were prepared yeah. with some visual aids here. There's some photos, yeah. yeah. Um so in my neighborhood, I live in Silver Lake, in my neighborhood there's a bunch of like little free libraries everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And uh there's one on my street where I walk my dog and you know how most of the little free libraries they look like chalets or cottages or yes. schoolhouses. This looks like a like a temporary hurricane shelter. It's just <laughs> yeah. the jankiest thing you've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> but it's it's one of those weird things that like it's empty for two weeks and then you'll go by and then it'll be like an entire set of world book encyclopedias. Yeah. Oh, wow. The next day they'll all be gone except for like the letter J will still be there. <laughs> right. All of the all of the academy screeners from 2011. One time I went by there and there was literally a handful of spoons. It's just whatever <laughs> people want to get rid of, they put in this thing. And it's all gone. So I'm walking my dog and I go past this thing and I look over and I do in fact see Goldie's book <laughs> in the, there it is right there. Right? And so, Jesus Christ. And, and, and the funniest thing about this is that I listen, when I walk my dog, I listen to this podcast. And so I know all of the stuff, the, the Viner story is oh. so great. And so I'm like, is someone fucking with me? Like is someone, <laughs> someone's gotta be... And so I go to it and I open it up hoping that it was like two vinyl, like you did another one. Yeah. Uh, but there was a signature in it um, and stay bald. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I'm like, I, I'm going to take this home with me. I, <laughs> I have a copy, had a copy. I bought it as soon as it came out. I, I think someone stole it, honestly. I, I don't know what happened to it, but I brought it home because oh I wanted a signed copy. And uh, we're having some construction done on the house. So I just opened the door of my office and just tossed it in the door. And the next day, we got a, we're, there was pounding on our front door. And because of the construction, a pipe had burst in my office. And there was water everywhere. And the only thing that got destroyed <laughs> was your book. You think there's a picture of it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put it back in the free library. <laughs> <laughs> with some spoons oh my yeah. god was, unreal it was really one of those just miraculous uh, uh when Kirker... just in, in in case you were wondering uh before you started that story i wasn't feeling great about myself oh, no. god. <laughs> so it's not like you're knocking down someone who was on top of the world <laughs> and thinking that they're that they their shit didn't stink and their book was amazing and everyone loved it and it's like oh here's a little fake humility for that celebrity it's like here's something I already know look I I have a book that if I walked by a a free library and my book was in there I would be so happy that somewhere out in the world there is a uh, copy you literally can't give it away yeah. I love but when Kirker he sent me texts and photos of this situation I just was dying laughing he was booked that day should have been booked yeah. sooner but like I could not wait for uh. this exact moment I mean and we should maybe on our our posts for this week we can maybe post oh, yeah, yeah. some of those photos because that that, that wet noodle book at the end <laughs> might be the best I don't 
it somehow turned it into a paperback. The water. <laughs> yeah, like, like was... the book looks like it just got back from Burning Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Kirker. Oh my God! First of all, thank you for that amazing <laughs> reporting out there in the field. That is and so if awesome. anyone else out there walks by a free library and sees my stupid fucking book being given away, please. Send us the picture and come on the podcast and yes. tell your story <laughs> about how no one wants my book. <laughs> oh, God. It is so welcome here. It yes. really is. You know, like, what a fucking miscalculation to write a book about baldness where you just go like, it's like you you, you decided, okay, you know, I'm going to write a book called So You're Impotent and people are going to bring it to the cash register and buy it. It's like, oh, what a... What a fucking what a miscalculation. <laughs> well, also, it's like you lay bare the thing that you are, I wouldn't even say insecure about, but the thing that you're, mo- you know, is hardest for you to kind of talk about. And then it ends up in a free library somewhere yeah. and then a wet noodle. And Kirker's hand. Yeah, it's like if Eminem flipped the script and then people just kept doing insulting stuff about him with the same insults and then everyone was cheering even louder and knowing that he was bummed out by it. Oh, God. Uh, and it might be more of an insult too, Goldie, because I have so much hair. It's <laughs> true. I don't know how you're cheating, but I you know, know. The, there'll Kirker. be a Lance Armstrong style reckoning for you. Oh, oh, there is a doctor in Beverly Hills that I have bought a second house for. There's <laughs> yes. well, he does. He's Worth earned it because yeah. you got a flowing a mane. mane. You got a, a Bee Gees esque mane going on there. <laughs> going from Jerry Gibb. For, uh, for a while, people would say you look just like Eric Clapton, and now you, you look like Jerry Garcia. <laughs> God, aging, aging's no fun. Like and it ends with you. You look a lot like Kathleen Turner. <laughs> By the way, you do look like Eric Clapton. I've yeah. always thought this about you. You have many Clapton phases, and of course, you and and now let's get into this because, as I said in the intro, you grew up in Kentucky, and that must have been its own thing. And so yeah. clearly, <laughs> okay. clearly, right away, you were trying to get out of there. <laughs> and one of the th- yeah go ahead respond oh, to that yeah no please yeah. and but <laughs> one of the one of the ways or the way that you did that was you threw yourself into theater mm-hmm. at a young age and this is the hysterical era of Kirker for me because it, you were kind enough to lay yourself bare when you came to Family Guy and you brought your hilarious headshots oh, that my you. God took in that era and you know to try and get a little traction as this sort of like jack of all trades actor and one of the shots in the headshot is of you literally hanging off the side of a building yeah sort of Uh, can you tell us tell us a little bit about that photo shoot and and the thought process behind making all and i assume by the way this costs like 500 dollars at least oh it was it was was, i was in debt for months (laughs) (laughs) And it was this photographer in Chicago. I'd, I'd left. I had a. I got a theater degree from Western Kentucky University. Yeah, uh, that's worth a lot out here, uh, <laughs> right? And um, so I, I was afraid of New York, and I didn't want to go to Los Angeles. I went to Chicago. I wanted to do Second City, and uh, so I, I thought I've got to get like professional headshots. Yep. And so when you're just starting out, like any advice that anybody will give you who has had any kind of success, you're like, yeah, sure. Great. 
So I met with an agent and they're like, you know what? You should uh, do like a comp, not just a, a headshot, but like a get a bunch of different pictures of you and different looks and whatever. And I'm like, well, I've, I've got one look. Yeah. <laughs> but they're like, well, just, you know, do it. So I found this photographer and we had, you know, we got like a, a model, a woman to come in and we put, like pretended we were going through a photo album. And, uh, <laughs> there was like an old uh, crate and I'm sitting on a crate and like a, uh, like a denim jacket trying to look like a badass and <laughs> I'm 22 and weigh 130 pounds like just not effective awesome. at all uh, but then there was one where uh, I was in a suit and I was holding a newspaper and like I think maybe a briefcase or just in something I don't know right but we're in Chicago and it's January and this photographer's like let's go up there's a water tower on the roof let's just go up in the roof and we'll take a picture up there I'm like okay so I climb up on this water tower and I'm hanging six or seven stories over the edge and I'm holding on and it's fucking freezing. And I've got the new camera like, ah, look at me. No, what business people do. They hang off water towers. Um, and so then I get the photos back and it's cropped in such a way that it just looks like I couldn't have done it anywhere. Like there, it looked like a backdrop. Like it doesn't look real. It looks right. stupid. <laughs> and uh and then but of course i'm like oh look and then i had to explain to people like, i'm really hanging off a thing here <laughs> uh, oh, so yeah, it was, yeah it was we, a, we have a role it's a it's a waiter who says what are you fellas thinking maybe we'll use the guy hanging off a water tower <laughs> i love that guy <laughs> yeah, exactly now, now did you was that the the composite headshot that you used for a while Oh yeah, sure. I, I said it because there was on one side was like just the regular headshot, and then on the back was the um, I think I've got one somewhere. I can oh. really show you, please. Right. <laughs> yeah. I see some glossies. <laughs> this yeah. I love that. that huh? is just so great. It is Look so great. Amazing. Kirker, it's a great picture because you have a great smile. It doesn't really, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like you, but it is you because the same smile is it's, there. I'm not sure what you would cast that guy for. It's not a bad photo. It's Nothing, a good Goldie. Photo, but it's <laughs> not. It's very nondescript. It's like I, yes. It's like a guy who gets murdered that no one remembers on Law and Order, and they need details about him, and no one knows anything, even though he's lived in that building for eight years. And you know what? Only if murders. I had booked that gig of the guy who was murdered and had no lines, just laid there in a pool of blood, I would have been so fucking happy. That's a victory. Yes, that's a victory. But. It looks like a guy who's eating who's eating pie at a diner. Oh yeah. <laughs> nothing. There's no. There's no. Nothing interesting about this man. I disagree. There's well, so, there's, he's he's there's a little a... fascinating in his lack of characteristics. He could be a serial murderer. <laughs> yeah, could just, be. He's just like white guy. Just white. Guy. <laughs> white guy. It's like friendly white guy. But that was guy. back when you that know was what? okay. Toothpaste <laughs> commercial. You've got those really nice uppers. Yeah. Curly so, whites. Okay, going to the comp. Yeah, oh. he is. <laughs> yes. Hanging off the building. Hanging off the building. And you wow. can tell in the background, it just it just looks like nothing. You're yeah. right. It's like a background that you would see on a second. Wait, so, did, I, did I see balloon twister on there? Wait, <laughs> yeah. really? That's like as a like one also, of the Also, no, no working actor headshot or non-working actor headshot has the performer wearing a suit that costs more than $80. The suits oh, look was, so cheap. I can't even tell. This was definitely like some Rick kind Stork. of uh, 
yeah, some thrift store. You talked about balloon twister. So okay. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. Wait. Oh, oh yes. There's oh, a that picture, picture of twisting balloon animals. Are there, is that a bicycle? A bicycle? It's a bicycle. It's a motorcycle. Oh, oh of course, course it is. Sorry. That baby bowl, can go and a fast. And then oh. I also did adult parties. Oh yes! Wow, I love that's a There's good a dude dick. with a hard on, but it's a yeah, balloon, and he looks he angry. He twisted he a balloon like dick. Who I wants love... a balloon rapist? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's great. And so, did you did you balloon twisted parties? I did balloon twisted parties. Oh, I, that's so good. Uh, I, Is that I how you're getting through the strike, or what's that? <laughs> Is that how you're getting through the strike? Yes. Yeah, I'm at, I'm at City Walk every day. There's a, there was I got a one gig where they flew me to Orlando and uh, I I twisted balloons at an Exxon uh, corporate thing. Weird, I know it was the weirdest thing. Um, so Goldie, so you can see it here. I put all my my statistics here. Yeah, uh, my height and my weight, uh, my waist inseam because all that's very important. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah you come, well, I love him, but can we find pants for him? Oh, great oh, teeth! Great teeth! Great teeth. Look, it says great teeth. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, I guess God. in Kentucky, that's notable. <laughs> yeah. Right. And I love it. It said, what did it say? Accents on there or dialects? Dialects. Dialects. Yeah. So was that like, I can do a Kentucky, Kentucky. accent? Well, in college, you know, I took a, a, a dialects class. And so I suddenly felt like I was, uh, you know, some great impressionist or uh, something. The New York slice of pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Did you ever uh, audition for, for specific dialects? I, I don't think I did. I, my auditioning was so, so I went to college. I got a performing arts degree, which is acting and singing and dancing. Yes. Cool. And, uh, I was a triple threat and that I could do none of those things. <laughs> I go, but I think I'm young and stupid. And, you know, in college I was, I was decent in college, you know, I was, it was yeah a small state school in Kentucky and got, you know, on stage a lot. And so then I go to Chicago and I go to a dance audition, which was a mistake. Yeah. And I go in and there's all these people there and they teach the, the choreography like one time. They yeah. go they're like, boom, 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 here, twist and die. And I'm like, uh, uh. <laughs> so I just start slowly packing my bag up. <laughs> you didn't go through with it? Are you wearing a dance belt? Yes. Tight dance belt and jazz shoes. And uh, and it's like, it's 70 below outside, literally 70 below. I was thinking of Neiman Marcus. Uh, I'd walk to this place, froze to death. And I'm uh, I'm slowly packing my bag. And because my name is Butler, I'm, one, I'm in the first round. Oh. And I'm hearing my name, Butler, Butler, as I'm like hiding. <laughs> behind the other dancers and i i just i i run i literally got my I ran out of the room <laughs> never went to another dance audition oh, Wait, I, could, to... I have a story to tag on to that if, if yes. i may so i used to be what was called a plus size model in new york city and one of the big auditions 109 every... pounds <laughs> yeah. right exactly yeah. uh, the the frequent commercial audition was for slim fast and oh, yeah. um so we all knew each other we'd go to this these auditions and they would every every audition every round it would be a different set of auditioning so uh this one time they had the same thing where you walked in and they were teaching you a dance routine none of us were were trained dancers 
Yeah. So they'd be like five, six, seven, eight, and then just do these moves. And then you'd go into the next room and then they'd play sexy back, you know, Justin, uh, and you'd yeah. go in and then someone's in there counting five, six, seven, eight, <laughs> and it's just you. And, and I'm doing like this ridiculous, I'm making it up. And then they, they go, Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, they stop the music and then what they do for every slim fast audition, they make you stop, lift your shirt, zoom in on your stomach and then make you turn around, zoom in on your back and then stop and go, okay, let's play the music again. Zoomed in on your belly. Stomach. Oh, (laughs) what a nightmare. Every, and and every like audition, it turned into that was like, okay, one time you'd have like hula hoops and soccer balls and you'd see if you can juggle this. And then they do, okay, great. Thanks. Now let's do this. And you zoom in. And then I thought, I thought you were going to say that for the slim fast audition, you had to give uh, Tommy Lasorda a blump, blumpy, a blumpkin. (laughs) What's it called? Oh my God. Blumpy. Blumpy, yeah. Like a like a Zerber? No, no, no. no. There, there's a, there, well, you worse, know, to, Tommy worse Lasorda, than a Zerbit, JC. To, Tommy it's a blowjob on a toilet, <laughs> JC. Yes. We yeah. just said Blumpkin. I'm like, do you know what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a blowjob on a toilet because Tommy Lasorda was famous for like inventing that or at least bringing it to light. I did not know that. <laughs> and he well, also did Slim Fast, right? Tommy yeah, Lasorda great guy. Wonderful a sensible man. shake for breakfast <laughs> and then a sensible dinner. Um, oh well, God. that is hilarious. And <laughs> yeah. so, and, and then blow me while I'm shitting out my slim face. Yeah, exactly. Wonderful man. Yeah, we ha- we actually have another writer on Family Guy who almost gave Tommy Lasorda a blowjob. You remember <laughs> Mike yeah. D? Our friend Mike D had to had to buckle had to buckle Tommy Lasorda's pants in a in a, at a urinal. <laughs> oh my God! Had to. Oh <laughs> God bless him. him. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> That's good. So, Kirker, you, uh, running out of the dance audition, did you did you actually book work when you were trying to book work? Did you book anything that you, you can remember? I mean, aside from my uh, balloon twisting at the Exxon uh, thing, um, I did. No, I don't think that I ever really did. I did some theater stuff. Huh. Yeah, um, that's something. Uh, some plays and some musicals and things like that. But I, I didn't do any. Did I you get in a did... second city? <laughs> so I did the training center at Second City, and that's when I decided I was going to be a writer. <laughs> and, no, this is, I, I did the training center, and then I got a job there in the you know seating people at night. It was the host job, and they would come in, and I would seat them, and then I would bring them, you know, shitty pizza and and whatever. And um, when I was there, it was uh, Carell and Colbert, Adam McKay. Oh. Um, John wow. Glazer, like yeah. uh, big wigs, Tina and Amy were coming up on the main stage and the ETC stage. And I'm like, fuck, I, you know, yeah. so I went to my teacher and I said, if that's what this is supposed to be, I can't, I can't do it. And he said, well, you're funny. Can you write? And I said, I don't know. And he said, well, write something. And mm. so I started writing. Oh, well, then that wow. was good advice. It was. And, and, and now, but you're being a little modest here because something I just read about you this morning while, well, well I was not getting a blumpkin, but I was in, <laughs> in the area. Uh, yeah, I was doing half. Um, so, uh, but I read that you were in 2020 inducted, inducted into the like, what is it? The Michigan Barnyard Theater Hall of Fame, Wall of Fame? Barn, the Barn Theater Hall of Fame. That's right. Yeah, because I did yes. summer stock theater there uh, wow. for two summers. Oh, you made an impression. Two <laughs> seasons, Hall of Fame. That's amazing. Two seasons. Well, yes. Uh, 
And it's, uh, there's a giant, it's really nice, actually. It's a big uh, granite stone, but it does look a bit like a, like a tombstone, like a, a gravestone. <laughs> and so I, I joke that it's, you know, it's where, it's where my acting career died. Tombstone <laughs> 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 uh, But, uh, you know, there's good names on there. There's uh, Jennifer Garner's on there and Lauren yeah. Graham and Tom Wopat. Um, <laughs> Don't yeah. make me Google. That's yeah. awesome. You, you did yeah. a show with Jennifer Garner, right? I did. We did. Uh, we did a couple shows together back in the early '90s in in theater. Yeah. And did she have it? She did indeed have it. She cool. you just knew. you just could tell that she was special, and uh, everybody knew she was special. She was great. It means that she was a competent actress who was hot. <laughs> and could dance. Oh, okay. And martial right. arts. Wasn't she also martial arts? Yeah, martial arts. And, and genuinely a very nice person. Aww. Yes, I've heard, I've heard this about her. Well, to put up with Ben Affleck for so long, she'd have to be. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Um, all right, so you, this you've, you're given this great piece of advice, which is try writing something, and you do. Yep. So how long between then and your move out to Los Angeles? Seven years. There was a um, there was a period where after I left, when after I, when I realized I wasn't going to be a, uh, an actor. And I thought, well, I still want to do something. I don't know. And while I'm trying to figure out what writing is, my stepfather had a connection to someone at Disney in Orlando. And I thought, oh, I'll just go work for Disney for a while. He can get me a job. Yeah. And I, was, I don't even know what department it was. So I pack up all my shit in Chicago. I go all the way to Orlando. And that guy ghosts me. He doesn't oh. turn a phone call. No. He does nothing. Oof. So I had, uh, there was a guy who was a teacher at Western and a guy named Steve Probus saved my life. He hired me to start doing um, uh, art department PA stuff. So I started doing art department work, and then I started doing set decoration. And I actually I was the set decorator for NSYNC's first video when they were just kids. Wow. Yeah. So this is in Orlando. It's in Orlando. Yeah. Okay. And it's weird too because they were they were kids. They were you know fifteen. And then one of them was like at the end of it, they were like, "Hey, we got an extra ticket to see Oasis. Do you want to go with us?" And I'm like. I'm I well, I can't go to a concert with a bunch of children. Uh, and now nice I'm like, oh shit! I saw Oasis within Sync, but I can't. I can't say it. You were invited, though. I was invited. What yeah. a weird jumble of a situation that would be. Seeing Oasis within Sync seems like totally mismatched. Yeah, uh, that's that's um, hilarious. So that flamed out. I went back to Chicago, and that's when things got really dicey. Uh, I gained a lot of weight. I fell into like a, a really deep depression. I had a nervous breakdown. Oh. Um, just a complete emotional like holocaust for me. Yeah. And yeah. I, uh, like I thought, uh, fuck, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I just got in my car and I drove to Niagara Falls. And uh, I just sat there and looked at Niagara Falls. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with my life? And then I realized I just had to move back home uh, into my mother's basement. <laughs> yeah. thanks niagara falls thanks for the inspiration i mean that's yeah, what i did give you and now that you've made it look at you in another basement <laughs> another basement right. Your own basement. This is, but this is my basement yeah exactly. yeah baby so um, were you i mean were you literally suicidal or did i you... don't think i was suicidal i just i wanted to see something that was much larger than myself i wanted to see something that was uh impressive because yeah. I, everything about my life was not. And yeah. so I... How old were I, you at that point? I was 
probably 26. Okay. Yeah. I guess 25, 26. Yeah. Um, so I moved back to Kentucky and, uh, but now this whole time I've been writing, I was writing pretty much every day. Oh. I was writing short stories and, and plays and just writing, writing, writing. The man with the great teeth, a story by Kirker Butler. <laughs> <laughs> Not everything was as good as the dentist said. He mused, he mused. refilling his glass of, of muscatel. <laughs> oh, I, I, was, I love this. I was drinking so much, not much, <laughs> but just anything I get my hands on. So I was back in Kentucky and miserable and fat, and uh, I kept writing. And then I, um, I decided, well, maybe I'll get a master's degree. And so I took a, a class, a writing class at University of Louisville, hmm. and I met my wife. Uh, yeah, there you go. She's a poet. And she's a very good poet, Karen Harriman, Katie Harriman. She had her new book. Nice. Um, <laughs> she was great. And we we um, moved in together and then decided that we're going to move to Los Angeles right after we get married. So in the meantime, I'd been, uh, I wrote and directed this short film called The Confetti Brothers. And I thought, if you're going to do a movie about confetti, it's about these two guys who own and operate their family's 75-year-old confetti business. Yeah. And so I thought, if you're going to do a movie about confetti, you've got to have Rip Taylor. So I tracked down Rip Taylor. This is pre-internet. Uh, hard to find, easy to hire, Rip Taylor. <laughs> he was in Vegas doing a show at the Flamingo. Can, can I just ask, was yeah. the tagline of the movie, the Confetti Brothers, they're getting a shred of the competition. <laughs> no, that's really good. <laughs> and quick. Oh, my God. Very I'm sorry. So back to I Rip think Taylor. it was more of like a Citizen Kane, like, it's terrific. Like that. <laughs> um, so a friend of mine said hey because I'm, so I'm going to fly to LA drive to Vegas shoot Rip Taylor and come back and a friend of mine said hey I've got a friend in LA who's a writer uh, you should have lunch with him his name's Will and I'm like great I'll have lunch with your friend Will so we meet at Daltz no longer Daltz R.I.P. Daltz in Burbank and uh, I knew nothing about this guy really just as a friend of a friend who was a writer and I said so what do you what do you write and he said, well, right now I'm running friends. Ah. Like, Fuck. You're like, <laughs> and uh, he, he said, uh, yeah, do you have anything that I can read? And so I'd been writing for seven years. Yeah. I had, and this was before thumb drives or anything. Oh. And so I had everything printed out. I had everything with me in a backpack. And so I pulled <laughs> out a stack like this. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Play. I had short stories. I had screenplays. I had a, a Raymond spec. I had a 70 show spec. Nice. And I said, what do you, what do you want? And he said, give me the Raymond spec. Yeah. So I did. And shot Rip Taylor, a whole other story. Spent the day with him, helped him pick out a handbag. <laughs> and um, about two weeks later, Will calls me and he's like, hey, this is great. I have no notes. What are your plans? Wow. And I'm like, wow. oh, shit. Okay. Um, I said, well, I'm going to get married in a couple of weeks and then we're going to move to LA. And he said, all right, we'll stay in touch. So we stayed in touch and I moved to LA and I got a job at E and then about 18 months after, uh, after I got to LA, he called me and said, Hey, I've got this show on the WB with Amanda Bynes and Jenny Garth. Do you want to, do you want to work on it? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. So that was my first gig. What were That's... you doing at E? I was, uh, I was a news producer. I was writing the, wow. you know, the, for E! News Daily the you know today julia roberts uh, and so did, did when you worked at e did you work in that building across from family guy yes 
Oh, wow. that's amazing. So you, yeah. were, you, you spent a lot of time in that, in that weird um, sort of monolithic modern complex that's yeah. getting torn down in a couple of years. What I um, like about you, is that the show? It was what I like about you, that's right. Oh, yeah. my God. Nice. Well, what a story. I mean, yeah. thank God for, so what's Will's last name? I don't. Yeah. It's Will not, Calhoun. Okay, oh. yes, I recognize that name for Same. sure. Yeah, wow. for sure. And he did he come from Seinfeld and go to Friends? No, he he did another sitcom. It was not Seinfeld. Okay. I forget what it was, but he started at Friends when he was like I think executive story editor level or maybe co-producer. He was and he kind of worked his way up to running it. Well, god, he really reached a hand out and helped you. I mean, that's oh My god. Awesome. He, it was a lifesaver, truly. Like he oh. really just took an interest in in me and and what I had written. And he was from Louisiana, so you know we had a uh. southern thing, and we had against some mutual friends, which I think helped. Um, but also, but yeah. like no notes. He's like, I have no notes. Well, what are that's you doing? Great. That's I know. That's I incredibly rare. Yeah, it was incredibly rare. Was it hard to go from seven years of writing in your mom's basement and shooting Rip Taylor to then being in a room, or were you prepared just? based on like your desperation and how serious you had taken it. So my first time in a room, it was after the first run through for what I like about you. And, you know, you invite all your friends and everything to come over. And this was before the pilot was going to be shot the week the pilot was shot. So I go into this room and Will had invited all of his friends, which meant everyone in the room were friends writers, like all of these names, Adam oh, Chase, yeah. Greg Malent, all these names that I had seen on television. I'm now sitting at a table with them. Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. Never been in a writer's room before. And I'm I'm shitting myself. Right. <laughs> and so uh, nervous. I mean, just nervous. Oh, the whole day I was nervous. So Will is off getting his getting notes and he comes back in and uh <laughs> Greg Malin says, uh, all right, boss, what's the first thing we're going to do? And I'm, I'm sitting back like this, you know, just trying to trying to play it cool. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Will says, well, the first thing we're going to do is Kirker is going to take that extra large sticker off his new sweater. <laughs> and just all the way down with one of those strips that say extra large. Oh, no. And I'd had that on hours. <laughs> like leaning back. Uh, it that's was great. Um, I love Will Calhoun. I've never met him. I love this guy. <laughs> that's so yeah. great. It All right. Great. So that's your first nerve wracking experience. Now tell us, because I, I can't quite remember, like, how did you get pulled into the Family Guy universe? So I'd done two years on What I Like About You. Yeah. And um, there was a, a regime change, a uh, new showrunner. And uh, it was time for me to go. So Family Guy had just been picked up again. Yes. And my agent at the time, actually his assistant said, you should write a Family Guy spec. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. So I did. I wrote a Family Guy spec. And then <laughs> there was one joke in there that my agent at the time was like, you got to cut, you got to cut this joke. It's too much. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a great joke. And he was like, no, you got to cut this joke. Do you remember the joke? Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, so Peter and Quagmire were looking out the window, Meg was sunbathing, and Quagmire says, uh, all right, Peter, well, I'm going to go home and pound out some knuckle children, I'll see you later. (laughs) And my agent was like, that's so gross, you have to cut it, it's, you're going to offend people, and I said, well, look, if you don't like Family Guy, you're going to hate this whole script, and if you do like it, you're going to like that joke, and he was like, oh, it was a he. It was okay. he? I'm yeah. surprised. Okay. And so now somehow I think he was also Ricky Blitz agent at the time. Right. So he got the script to Seth, 
And I know that no one ever reads a spec of their own show, but Seth told me, he said, I didn't know anyone was writing Family Guy specs. So I was curious. And so I, he read it and um, called me in for an interview and I'm sitting there, I'm waiting, you know, Seth, I'm nervous. Uh, You guys had already, I think you're like a week into the, to the new thing and check your sweater for stickers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. Believe me, I did. Uh, And I think the only people that had not been hired yet were like me and Cherry at that point. Right. So I'm waiting. Seth comes out, puts out his hand and says, hey, Seth McFarland, pound out some knuckle children's one of the funniest jokes I have read. (laughs) That's great. I knew that. I knew it was building to that. And that's that's such a great lesson for writers listening. Well, let me let me give the lesson. The lesson is if you can think of a good euphemism for jacking off yes. that no one's heard, you can have a career. But Alec, please go ahead. What is no, the no, that's a, that's exactly the lesson crystallized. <laughs> yes. So always keep in your gross, dirty stuff because people love reading it. Now, okay. the day that I got the offer for Family Guy, I also got an offer to work on Mike Scully's show Savages that he created. Yes. With oh my god. Yes. So Family Guy at the time had an order for 35 episodes. Yeah. And uh, Savages, I think, was like, you know, just a uh, it was a pilot. And I think they ordered nine or something and or 12, whatever it was. Yeah. At the time. So my agent was like, look, this is you got two offers here. You really got to go for the Mike Scully, Mel Gibson show. And I'm like, I don't think so. This person's recommended nothing but horrible decisions. He's he's not my agent anymore. (laughs) But a good guy, good agent, good guy, just, you know, not a great fit. But he he said, uh, you know, he said Mike Scully with the Simpsons and he's got this reputation and he's going to work forever and he'll always have shows. And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah. But I mean, I've I've met Mike and Julie and they're great and they know me and I know them. And I think I'm going to take the 35 episodes of a show that will probably run for 20 years right you knew that you had a feeling it would run for yeah because it was just it was was just going to work i just knew it was going to work yeah yeah um and so i was he was like all right well you know it's your career again again, follow your instincts yeah um and i want to shout out and this should be no surprise given uh the knuckle children joke that you just quoted but (laughs) You have had this knack over the years uh, at Family Guy of when a hilarious line was needed, you have come up with it. And I want to just, because we don't usually do this, go so granular into like a writer's career. But there are a couple of things that you have pitched over the years, many, but two stand out to me. So one of them was there was a scene where it was in the clam and for some reason Lois was there and like kind of hanging out with the gang. And do you remember which joke I'm talking about with her? She had the a jacket. jacket. Yes. The, yeah. So do describe this. Cause I don't remember the exact, the context of it, but I remember the punchline. Yeah. It's been a while. She comes in and she has had a makeover or something and she's feeling sexy and, uh, and um, so she's wearing something underneath that's, I don't know, it's like a tube top, maybe. I don't remember right. exactly, but she's going to, uh, someone says, take your jacket off. And she's like, what? And they start shouting, jacket off, jacket <laughs> off. <laughs> that was, was just, very, I was so we, proud. If we, if we could have, if we could have carried you out like Rudy that day, <laughs> we would have, because that was just such a towering home run. And the other line that I always think about, and I'll just say two words, and then you can take it over, is Jimmy Connors. Jimmy Connors. Yeah, I was proud of that one, too. Uh, 
it's it's always exciting to me when I can get something really filthy on television. Yes, and you did. <laughs> so there was a scene where Meg was having fantasies about uh, 1970s Jimmy Connors. Yes. And uh, so he appeared to her at the end and, uh, you know, they had this nice conversation. And then he gave her two tennis balls. And he said, if you if you ever need me, just rub my balls and I'll come. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another, you would have been the only player carried off the Notre Dame field twice because that was just, and I remember, uh, you know, Rich Appel, uh, the, the other showrunner, he was the one who had to fight uh, with standards that. and legal to get things in the show. And that was a fight and he won it. And so it was just overall a triumph. And Jimmy Connors actually came in to record that line and he yeah. loved it. He loved it. It was so great. God, what an episode that was. So yeah, just I'll, I'll put that on my tombstone. Just rub my balls and I'll come. <laughs> so your family guy experience was, you know, you were one of the great writers there. We had a very, very funny room from the beginning. And this is something we've talked about on the show uh, from time to time where the, the Family Guy room definitely changed over the years, where today it's very uh, kumbaya and we respect everybody's feelings and all that. But that was not the way it was when we first started. So do you remember any examples of like, Jesus Christ, this place is fucking dog eat dog. They'll slit your throat in a, in a heartbeat. Of, yeah, the end of my first week, uh, I came home and I, I cried. I oh, no. It's true. Oh, God. I came home I and I sat it. down with Everyone's my Everyone's so mean. I could be working with Mel Gibson, who's nice. <laughs> <laughs> that big open-hearted Christian man. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, no, I was, uh, I, was, I was terrified. I was really, because everyone, I was also the only person there who didn't know one other person. Right. Like okay. everybody else there knew somebody from another show. And I mean, even uh, Cherry, who was, it was, it was her first job, she knew Chris Sheridan. And mm -hmm. so I was the only person who was coming in, didn't know anybody. And everybody was not mean to me in particular. Right. But just, I just knew that, holy shit, this is a, this is a, this is a dark place. It's very um, And I just, kept my head down for the first couple of weeks. I remember the first joke that I got into the script. Oh, what was uh, it? The first cutaway, it was in a room and it was uh, Bugs Bunny and Elmer Fudd. And he says, what's up, doc? And Elmer Fudd shoots him and his chest blows up. And then he goes up and snaps his neck and drags him <laughs> off. And there's, I was in a gag room, uh, Alex Borstein. And, uh, and I pitched that and it went in. And then I found out later from David Goodman that Alex went to her later and said, that was Kirker's joke. I just want you to know. Oh, I love her. And so she made sure that he knew that I was contributing and I'll be forever grateful for her. Um, women but, supporting women. You love to see it. Really nice. really, aware. Yeah. So it was, but you know, as Danny says, don't get off the fucking boat. And I have no idea what people have said about me. I'm sure. It's horrible, and I never want to know, really. Yes, that's the best <laughs> attitude. Just have blinders, and you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah, so bringing up all that about Family Guy, and we we have had uh, David on, uh, David Goodman, a few times on the podcast recently to talk about the strike, but before to talk about Family Guy and his experiences. And, of course, David was running the show when we were first there. He ran it for several years, 
And and as Goldie has pointed out in the past, like David was like an old school boss. Like mm-hmm. he he was a little bit intimidating, and he would get you know upset and and you know kind of not not yell, but a little bit yell in, in his distinctive voice. But one of the things that over the years has taken on almost a, a cult like status is him telling you to get pizza. Now, do you, do you, I mean, were you, uh, like, how did that become such a big thing? You're, you're always the name that gets named when we, when he's shouting to get some pizza. I think because it was, if I remember correctly, it was a late night. It was, it was quiet. Like we were yep. he giving, like people would go out and get pizza in shifts. Yep. And come back so we could keep working. And I just remember it was really quiet and we're sitting there. Nobody was saying anything. And then he just burst out. Oh. Get some pizza. <laughs> so I did. Uh, Instant, instantly, one of the five most recognizable quotes. Wait, why that. did he say it? Because he to give you energy, or no? It was just. It was. I guess it was just my turn. Uh, <laughs> so random. Around and I wasn't eating pizza. I don't. I don't know. Yep. Yep. And pizza was always like the. We didn't plan to stay late, but we're here, so we're yeah. just gonna order something right. quick. And, and here's we'll... some pizza that will be the worst pizza somehow you've ever had. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's not yep. dinner. It's pizza. Yeah. Pizza. Yeah. God, LA pizza is such a travesty. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, so we just, it, there was so much laughter in that room. Uh, you know, you provided a lot of it and it was just such a great time, but this wasn't the only working experience we had together. So several years later, um, when I was uh, on an overall deal with Fox, but I had left family guy to do, either dads or the Western, something that failed. And uh, so then they put me on a show called Life in Pieces, run by uh, Justin Adler, very nice, funny guy. Um, but you were also on that show. So that was, and so was Maggie Mall. So that was exciting for the three of us that it's like, oh, for, like you said, you didn't know anyone in the Family Guy room. We went in there as a block. And right. I think, cool. you know, we we sort of did our best to sort of snark our way through that and kind of drag our feet. I, uh, but that was a very fun experience, too. But one thing I'll always remember about that, and I think you know where I'm going here, is when I was leaving the show. So tell this from your perspective, because this was this was kind of like I, I still get embarrassed when I hear this story. So I'd been I'd also been planning to leave the show yes. uh, after the season, but I hadn't I hadn't told anyone. I'd spoken with my agents about it. And uh, uh, Aaron Kaplan, who's a good friend, he was the executive producer. I talked to Aaron about it. And um, but I hadn't told Justin or anybody. I told Alec, which was the mistake. And um, so <laughs> we're sitting there and it's the last day of the season. And uh, Justin's like, everybody, you know, Alec is is, is leaving uh, the show. So, you know, uh, Alec, yay, Alec. And then uh, Alec says, well, what about Kirker? He's leaving too. <laughs> Why? Justin looks at me and says, you are? <laughs> and I'm like, oh. Alec, God damn it. <laughs> Did you know what you were doing? No, I, I really, that that's the only thing in my defense is that I had, I, assumed which you know was the was a huge mistake that Kirker had that they had all talked about this and I felt badly in the moment because I felt like 
well, why am I being singled out and honored when this other great writer is leaving but, too? But what's so funny is that it goes back to, so Alec and I have the same birthday. Yes. Oh, and we're both Valentine's babies. Yeah. Yes. And so whenever there is, when I was a family guy and it would, you know, Alex, the showrunner. So <laughs> on February 14th, there'd be a cake and it's like, oh, it's Alex's birthday. Everybody from every department come out. <laughs> Alex's birthday. Come out, everyone. Celebrate Alex's birthday. And then everyone's singing happy birthday. And then sometimes Alec or someone else would say, you know, it's also, it's also Kirker's birthday. And then I'm like, oh, Oh yes, of course. Yes, too. And so Alec gets this big cake, and then I remember once it wasn't quite this bad, but I remember once it was like I felt like someone nudged a PA. And I was like, go get Kirk or something. So we're all having the cake. We go back in the room, and then I feel like someone just throws like a box of Little Debbie snack cakes in front of me, like a Mountain Dew, and is like, here. That's oh, it's your birthday too. Um, so oh, yeah, oh, and there was one year too that Karen, my wife, brought balloons into the show for Alex's birthday. <laughs> and everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, that's so nice!" And I'm like, "No, it's a, it's a bit. It's my." <laughs> well, I'm glad you got to shout out Mountain Dew because I know that's also a big part of your. Are you still on the Mountain Dew train? Not. I've been off for several years. Oh, good for you. I, it was. You used to, you know, that was an identifiable part of your personality for a while. In my 20s, I would go to 7-Eleven in the morning and get a two-liter and just carry it around all day. Oh, my oh, God. God. Yeah. God, Mountain Dew is so delicious. I don't think it people is. realize how it good is. it is because it's sort of looked at as like, ooh, it's just, it's all sugar. And I mean, all sodas are sugar, but Mountain Dew tasted great. Yeah. There's a, there's a, a, a soda that is from Kentucky. It's uh, called Ale 8. And it's uh, it's like a combination of ginger ale and Mountain Dew. Oh. Whenever I go back there, I drink that. It's really good. Yeah, that's <laughs> add a little class to it with the ginger yeah. ale. That's nice. Nice. I like All it. Right, so, so we've had a lot of these. Uh, we've, we've intertwined at a few points in our careers. But now talk to us about um, Only Murders in the Building because this show – became just a runaway hit for Hulu. Um, and so w what was it like uh, being on a show like that, on a streamer, that, you know, streaming comedies to that point weren't getting a ton of traction, and this one really did. So what was it like being at the in the eye of that storm? You know, it was really, it was great. I mean, I, the only thing I can compare it to is, you know, when Family Guy came back and it was huge and you know we went to vegas and did all that stuff and you know it wasn't quite that big because it was during covid and so all of the writers rooms were on zoom and it was a very different experience um but you know i did get to work with uh two of my idols with steve and marty and i got to write jokes for them Crazy. and uh i wrote a song with steve oh uh, god that's I awesome. thought you were going to say two of my idols, Selena Gomez and Martin Short. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. So you wrote you wrote a song with Steve Martin. Yeah, for a season two. So that Steve's character in the show uh, was an act is an actor, and back in the eighties, he was on a, a cop show called Brazos, where he was like a like a you know Simon and Simon or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, so, like all of those guys in the eighties, uh, he released an album. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and his hit 
was called Angel in Flip-Flops. <laughs> yes. So I, uh, when we were writing that, I was like, I want to write that song with Steve. On him, Zoom or how, do you, how did you work with Steve Martin? No, so um, he was in New York. I was here and, and I had some lyrics and I emailed them to him. And then like, I got an email. He's like, hey, can I call you later today? And we'll talk about this. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so um, every now and then, I mean, it was only like two or three times, but I would get on the phone with Steve Martin and he would play wow. this thing on the guitar and, and, you know, we'd send lyrics back and forth and it was, it was crazy. And so we, on the, the credits, we have a shared lyrics by uh thing and uh it's on spotify and i'll have that forever it was amazing that's they 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 released i've got a got one somewhere uh 45s wow of the the song so i've got a 45 of it uh that's That's awesome that's that's so amazing what yeah and so you know steve martin obviously just like one of the comedy living legends and Martin Short is someone who has probably made me laugh more in my lifetime than than any other comedian. So that's awesome. But then you have this, uh, as Goldie pointed out, this Selena Gomez component of it. And I can imagine this would be me in that situation where going into it, I would be elbowing other people like, what the fuck, Selena Gomez? She's going to fuck it up with these two legends. Turns out Selena Gomez was the key to the show being incredibly popular. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, we knew that when we hired her and, you know, there was a question in the writer's room, like, is she, you know, is she, how is she going to be able to hang with these two mm-hmm. legends? We're just, you know, curious. And uh, immediately we knew that we could give her anything. And the way she chose to play the character was so opposite uh, the energy was opposite of what those guys were doing, and it just fit so perfectly. And once we saw what she was doing, it was so much easier to write for her, and it was um, it was great. She's a delight. I just I have nothing but good things to say about her. Oh, that's Yay. awesome. And were of you course, on set, or was it just on the writer's room? I was on set like only once, but I met her a couple times. That you know, we did some things just to hang out. Yeah. So and 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 I'm sure like Selena Gomez has like. 50 million followers on social At media. Least. So yeah, if, if she promotes something, it actually matters. Yeah, it's interesting. One of the very limited, very few conversations I've, I've had with her, she told me that she doesn't even have Instagram on her phone. Um, I'm like, God. that's amazing. Like, uh, how do you have all of these followers and don't even have it on your phone? 428 oh million. That's so many. That's so many. It's insane. Wait, wait, 428? Yeah. Oh, I said 50. Yeah. Wow. That's way more than 50. If my my calculations are correct, that is more than 50. Imagine if she was just like Trump won. I know. Would that just just make them take over the the White House and just descend on the White House? That's fantastic. But it Um, it was truly one of those things where, you know, they say don't meet your heroes and don't work with your heroes. I have, it was nothing but a good experience. Oh, they are, Steve and Marty are exactly who you think they are, exactly who you want them to be. And again, going in with no expectations about Selena, just a, a complete delight. Oh, that's that. great. I remember I, I was lucky enough. I got to have lunch with Martin Short Whoa. because, uh, you know, I guess his agents had made him when we were making dads and we were trying to, you know, get different people to play the dads and obviously we wanted him but he was smart enough to pass on that <laughs> so we didn't end up tarnishing uh, martin short's brilliant career with dads 
Um, although he did do Mulaney. How did you pitch it to him? I remember just being so excited and having way too many drinks at lunch and oh, just boy. being like, the dads <laughs> That's not going to make him want to do it. They're like our dads. Like, and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, <laughs> but it was actually the second time I had met Martin Short where um, I was lucky enough in New York to uh, be at a dinner with Sarah Silverman, Jerry Seinfeld, and Martin Short and Matthew Broderick. At after wow. a play uh, in, in New York that Matthew Broderick was in. And I'll never forget um, the show. Matthew was a little disappointed in the show that evening. Uh, apparently, they didn't even have a full house. And Matthew came in and he said, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know where the audience was tonight. And Martin Short, in his style, just said, other shows? <laughs> Which I always thought was so funny. And so when we were walking to the, to the table where we were eating... I mean, I've worshipped Martin Short for so long. I just saddled up right next to Martin Short, and I said, um, I'm a huge fan of yours, so I, I hope you don't mind if I sit next to you during dinner and just tell you how funny you are. And he said, I don't think we're going to have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> so he was just very welcoming and accepting to me. Um, all right, so Only Murders in the Building, huge hit. And uh, what um, have you been working on since then? So I was doing a couple of things, uh, negotiating uh, like two projects right before the strike and the contracts didn't get done. Oh. So hopefully, hopefully they'll still be there. <laughs> but I have been, so I told you earlier that I thought, oh, maybe I'll go back to college and I'll get my, you know, master's, master's. and whatever. Yeah. So I'm actually doing it now. Oh, wow. in what? Uh, creative writing. I'm getting an MFA in creative writing and fiction. The notion that they're qualified awesome. to teach you is so <laughs> friggin' backwards. I know. You should be teaching the class. It's crazy. I know. Well, but this is all going to end up with you being a professor at Western Kentucky, right? That's uh, that's my dream. Yeah. Uh, is it? I uh, no. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's so gullible. <laughs> I uh, no. What I would like to do is, you know, in my in my retirement uh, years, because Karen has three master's degrees. And uh, one is in poetry and one's in social work and, and one's in teaching. And so it would be great if when we retired, if, you know, we could just go teach at places for, uh, you know, for a semester and travel the world and do that shit. Yeah. Um, be awesome. But I've wanted the, a master's degree for a long time and I was just never able to do it because of work, because it takes so much time. But then during the pandemic, I was like, well, shit, if I'm going to do this, I'm, you know, I got to do it. So I looked online for low residency programs and I found that NYU does a low residency program in Paris. Wow. Whoa. And so twice this year already in January and July, I was in Paris. Nice. Uh, I went for 10 days or 12 days, something like that. And um, so you go there, you do workshops and you work with all of these incredible writers, fiction writers, poets, uh, nonfiction writers. And there's about 60 of us in the program. And uh, so, you know, during the day we were writing and we're talking about writing, and we're reading. And then at night we go out and we, you know, drink and eat French food. Sounds amazing. And it's incredible. Great. Um, and so uh, I'm going back again in January and in July of next year. And in the following January, I'll graduate. And uh, then I'll have the same master's degree, the same MFA that they give at NYU if you were there every day, all day. So, That's so who's more depressed about the state of their industry, TV writers or fiction writers? I think, uh, I don't know, well, probably TV writers. I think that, uh, I don't think AI is the, a big of an existential threat to like fiction writers and poets and everything as it is TV writers. It just doesn't seem as urgent. Right. Um, yeah. But I think that, 
you know, the publishing industry is fucked like every other artistic industry. Um, so it's got its own problems. Oh, well, wow. I'm excited to That's hear so about cool. all your adventures in straight Paris. <laughs> well you know win paris <laughs> that's right okay good Any, anything's a lot it stays, anything, in, stays in paris that's right um, um well, but no it's it's great i've been i've been you know writing another book with the program and um you know i've got to read a bunch of shit so i'm staying busy it's it's a lot of fun i've actually got to turn in my thing later today uh, what's what what's the book about the new book so it's a uh, it's based on a pilot that i wrote a few years ago that didn't go anywhere um about a clown uh who is dying and he's trapped in the middle of a small town somewhere uh with this band of misfits and people he's been his circus has been abandoned it went bankrupt and it started out as just a pilot of like that that thing but now i've decided as i've been getting into it that it's more of a he's writing more of his autobiography uh as he's uh dying and kind of looking back on his life and uh, so that's love what I it. Love that it. The dying cool. clown. What dying a great, clown. what a great metaphor for all of our existences. <laughs> um, well, Kirker, you've been so generous with your time. I don't time. get it. <laughs> yes, no, you kidding. do. You go and get it. Um, <laughs> you, you were brave enough to come in for Johnny's, which we always love. And also, I understand that you're going to be part of the next portion of our show, a portion we like to call Top Five. Top five. Oh. Is that is that you guys? <laughs> it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh you know, you believe it, but it is, and our fans <laughs> love hearing us talk well, we about say it. That, yeah. um, thank you for noticing. Uh, so this week's top five. This was my topic here, and it is top five monologues of all time. So I'll just get right into it. My number five monologue of all time is I Drink Your Milkshake oh, from cool. There Will Be Blood. Just, I, I love that movie and I honestly had to choose between that monologue and his monologue when he arrives in a new town with his son and business partner, H.W., because there are mm -hmm. many great monologues in that movie, but I chose I Drink Your Milkshake. Number four, I'm just calling it Tebow's Promise. Tim Tebow, former quarterback for the Florida Gators, <laughs> There was a game in 2008 that they lost that they were supposed to win. They were thinking that they were going to go undefeated that year. After the game at the press conference, Tim Tebow clutched the podium and said, I am sorry, but I promise to you that we, you will never see a team work harder than this team. You will never see anyone push anyone harder than I will push this team. It was a great monologue. They went on to win the national championship. So that was awesome. Oh. Number nice. three for me is Quint's USS Indianapolis speech from Jaws, oh. which is just one of the, just such an amazing little sidestep in that great movie where he gets in depth about how he was in the World War II ship that delivered the bomb and they got sunk by torpedoes and had to fight off sharks. Uh, number two, I'm calling Your Move, Chief, from Goodwill Hunting. Goodwill. Yes. Robin Williams' speech on the bench in Boston Common to Matt Damon. If I mean, that monologue makes me tear up every time I watch it. It's so awesome. Yes. And number one, Goldie, you could probably predict this. 
It was a loose cutting from The Outsiders by Brian Atene. I mean, you know I... Good day, Mr. Kubrick. Good day, Mr. Kubrick. You know I have it as number one as well. Forever number one. Okay, that's my list. Uh, I ain't going walk again. (laughs) So, Kirker, why don't you give us your top five? I told uh, JC when she told me this, that it was my number one was probably going to be the monologue that's been in my head since I was a child saying, you're not good enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But okay. So I, I skipped every, I just did movies. I didn't go with, you know, anything. I don't know any sports. It's all fair game. (laughs) And, uh, and this one is really new, like within the last year, number five, but I saw it and I watched it at home and then I rewound it, and watched it again. And I've watched it on YouTube so many times. There's a movie called Pearl. It's a horror movie that oh. just came out. And Mia oh. Goth, the actress, has this eight minute monologue where she talks about like she's pretending she's talking to her husband who's not there, who's gone off to the war. And she's completely insane. And I mean, she's a she's, you know, murdered people. It's a horror movie. Um, but she the camera stays on her for about eight minutes and it is some of the greatest acting that I have seen uh, in the past I don't know five years and I don't know if it'll stand the test of time or whatever but right now I gotta see that I love horror movies too I'm blown away by what's the sequel so watch X first oh and then watch Pearl wow a lot of work Mia Mia Goth plays two characters in X and then Pearl, she plays one of those characters from earlier in time. It's great. Awesome. Uh, number four is uh, uh, the Jason Robards regret monologue in Magnolia. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. dying, and he's talking about regret and how he fucked up his life and his kids and had affairs. And That's a great one. So great. Uh, number three, Alec Baldwin, Glengarry Gunn-Ross. Yes, yeah. we have crossover. Oh, yes. yes. Um, number two, I also had Robert Shaw and Jaws with yep. the uh, Indianapolis speech. And then number one, I didn't know what to do with number one. Uh, so I just said every cast member in the movie Network. Oh, yeah. Because That's like good. Ned Beatty has that the world is a corporation speech and, <laughs> yes. and Peter Finch has his and Beatrice Strait won an Oscar for this monologue. Every, it's a movie of monologues. Yes. Uh, so uh, Network, all of them. Well done. Yeah, these, great those are great. List. Great list. JC, what oh, do you got? I'm next. Okay, um, my number, f- I minor, I feel like very <laughs> down the middle. So number five, very obvious, Liam Neeson and Taken. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know who you sure. are. Sure. Yeah. yeah, certain set of skills. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, number four. Here's how I would respond to that. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, you- yeah, right. Oh, okay. You've got- no, you've already, you've, you've, yeah. You've, oh, you've, you've, okay. You've already given your response to this, which is good, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Or no, well, you, that was, that's hey, if you I were have your, I have your child. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you take? You didn't take the dog, though, right? No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Number four, Devil Wears Prada, Meryl Streep, the blue monologue. When yep. when uh, uh, yeah, love yeah, that. love Meryl, love, love Meryl. That. I love that scene. I learned so much from that one scene. Um, here's our crossover, Alec Baldwin and Glengarry Glenn Ross. Yeah. Coffees for closes. Yep. Um, number two, Walter White in Breaking Bad. I'm the one who knocks. It's that transition where you realize he is a scary and powerful guy from like a weak guy with cancer to a very scary man. He's Love an amazing it. actor. And number one, maybe the most obvious, you can't handle the truth. 
from a few good men. So, uh, ah, yeah. it's a good one. Good, good list, Goldie. Um, I made a last minute audible to just avoid the obvious overlap with okay, Brian and Teen. No, oh, he always does so, this. <laughs> number five, I have bullet ball. What is oh, yeah. that? <laughs> you, yes. you go on YouTube and look at bullet ball. Okay. There was a okay. contestant on a show called American Inventor. Okay. His invention was something called bullet ball. <laughs> By the way, I take credit for popularizing this clip because I was working on the showbiz show with David Spade. I watched oh. American Inventor. I found this. I put it on TV with commentary, and then everyone found it after. Ooh. I yeah. I discovered bullet ball. Yeah. Okay. okay. I bought one for the you, Cleveland show. Right? Yes, you bought it, and oh. he and yes. Wait, and you? Yeah, I got goosebumps <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. But uh, number four, any given Sunday, the inches we need are all, all around us. Around us. Oh, so good. Yeah. I love it. That one inch. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, number three, planes, trains, and automobiles. Your good friend Steve Martin, just having met Del Close, he can endure anything. Del Griffith. Del Griffith, God. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you're giving it to Steve Martin's angry thing instead of John Candy's sympathetic thing in return? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I, I thought when he just tees off on John Candy. About not, not Steve's uh, rental car rant? Oh, no. Great. A fucking Chrysler. A fucking Buick. <laughs> uh, number two is, is, we've talked about this before the trip, your Michael Caine is wrong. You're doing oh, it all wrong. That's great. Uh, and this, here's my audible. Ben Affleck in Boiler Room. That was good. I have everything. And oh. best of all, kids, I'm liquid. It's it's sort of a ripoff of Alec Reed Baldwin is... and Glenn Gary, but it's so friggin' good. Yeah. I've never seen it. Yeah, and we, we omitted Greed is Good, which I almost put on the list because that's also a great speech from, from Wall Street. Greed, for lack of a better word, <laughs> yeah, is, is good. good. Greed is right. Um, but Goldie, so did just end the suspense, did you have a teen at number one? I did, yeah. So I just oh, took yay. him off because I didn't. That's Why, boring. God forbid, we have something in common and bond over something. <laughs> I know. We just uh, did. I, I agreed it's number one, but for our listeners, it's not. Oh, all right. Well, those were great lists. Yeah. And Goldie, what do we got next week? So uh, next week is the top five songs that you hated when they came out that you now love. Oh, oh I this this works for me because I was thinking of one the other day. Okay, that's a great list and in cool. addition to in addition to that top five next week next week we are going to be talking with josh robert thompson incredibly talented voiceover artist yes uh his morgan freeman is so good that they hire him when morgan freeman is not available with morgan signing off on with it. morgan saying yes, yes this guy can do it so and here and we're he's fighting done, ai <laughs> exactly yeah, we have josh robert thompson we have josh robert thompson but he, he's done just hundreds of great voices for family guy over the years so we're yeah. incredibly excited to talk to him and we were kirker Thank you so much for doing the Johnnies, yeah. for doing top five, Amazing. for sharing all your stories with us, and for your excellent field reporting on the uh, So You're Going Bald <laughs> Sog Gate. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. This was so much fun, and I'm always on the lookout for Goldie's book everywhere I go. <laughs> Good. We love you. You've made us laugh many times over the years, so thank you for that. Thank you so and much. And now we are going to end our show, as we do every week, on a high note. Whoa! 
Gamble and Pross <laughs> did it again, a little longer than we'd hoped for. Um, I'll go first. Mine's quick. My high note is uh, our dog, Muggsy. So Muggsy is 18 years young, a little Pekingese who Tall rescued literally from the streets of L.A. She's a... Um, you know, just a real trooper. The little dogs live longer. Muggsy recently has been going through some back issues. She lost her ability to walk a little bit. Mm-hmm. And recently she uh, was on medication for that that constipated her. So Tall literally has to reach into her asshole and pull the shit out. Oh my God. <laughs> but Muggsy is still here with us. God bless her. Oh. We're trying to enjoy every moment with her. So she is uh, my high note before she is no longer with us. Mm. Goldie? Well, I'll follow the uh, dying dog. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Great intro. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to my good friend, John Voigtman, who turned 50. Happy birthday. I I think he listens to this. I don't know. But I would not have gotten through college in the ensuing years without his friendship and support and uh he's just been a, a wonderful part of my life he's the best man at my wedding and i'm i just want to say happy birthday yes oh, that's so sweet have you ever pulled the shit out of his asshole not yet no <laughs> but there's still time yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and my high note is Stu is home but Stu not from is back Stu is back. gonna be trouble <laughs> <laughs> but not as long as we thought because he got the call for Sublime. So before he goes out back on tour with Dom, he's going out with Sublime in between. So I don't practice Santeria. Hey. Well, that's be a great be high the front note. row. You do. You do, though. You practice Santeria. <laughs> yeah, we've seen you do it. Um, all right. Fly. That, was, <laughs> that was such a fun show. Really Thanks was. again to Kirker Butler for being so awesome. Thank you two for being awesome. Thank you. Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Oh, God Tamar. damn it. Tamar. I guess we will. I don't know. That was fun. And it stops right now. I don't practice Santeria. Hey!